Hey everyone, does the phrase hybrid send shivers down your spine? If you are intimidated or confused by the digital landscape, we promise that you are going to get some clarity today. Welcome everyone to the Church Changer podcast. My name is Lauren Berkerich, and I am one of your hosts here at Church Changer, where we are focused on giving you best practices and practical tools to lead through change. And I'm joined by my co-host and my pastor, Tim Lucas. How you doing, Tim? Honestly, Lauren, my neck hurts a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Over the last three years, we have been through so much head-snapping change. Uh, I think a lot of our leaders have leadership whiplash. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're still trying to answer a long list of really challenging questions. Can we realistically rebuild our church post-COVID? Do we have what it takes to reach the next generation of Zoomers who are glued to their screens? And how much should we invest in online ministry going forward? Well, here's the good news. Today, we hope to actually give you a few answers. We are talking about MetaChurch with Dave Adamson, leveraging digital ministry for growth and discipleship. Now, our guest, Dave Adamson, or Ozzy Dave, is a social media pastor who just published a book called MetaChurch that I have to tell you guys, it is a must read. Here's why. It combines vision with the practical steps you actually need to develop a church model, where both online and offline, they work together seamlessly. And Tim, full disclosure here, right? You and I are really fully bought in to this vision here, right? But we we want to use a digital ministry to extend our influence. We want to go beyond the walls of a building, but we're still figuring out how to do that. Yeah, I think a lot of pastors and leaders are, they're on a continuum when it comes to this, right? Yeah. Some are atheists. I don't believe in church online, no such thing. Some are agnostic, like, I see its potential, but I have some questions. Others are activists. I'm fully in, all in on digital. And uh, I've, 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 as a lead pastor, <laughs> had a little bit of a conversion journey. Aussie Dave is definitely an evangelist who has helped me see the light a little bit. Because uh, I'll be honest, um, when COVID first hit, be, well, before, take us back, two months before. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at a chart right now. It shows our attendance. And the line up above is a blue line. It shows about 5,000 people across all campuses in person, and then a few hundred online. Mm-hmm. And I always assumed like, oh, those are the people who were traveling or they were sick or, you know, they had, it was our, ba- church online was our backup. Now, compare that now, and you will see those two lines have actually crossed where half of our people are in person and half of them are online. So my question was always like, well, how do you disciple a congregation that now moves fluidly between in the room and on the Zoom. And Dave has really helped me see that. I've had to change my spirit from a little bit of a critical spirit, and at first just an honest confession. I think I alienated a lot of people because I would say things like, hey, if you're online, that's great, but put down your coffee, get off your couch, come to church in person, uh, you know, take off your stretchy pants, put on some... <laughs> <laughs> there was like this hierarchy, right? Yeah. And I think a lot, of, a lot of pastors and leaders feel that way because it was like, hey, we need volunteers mm-hmm. in person and we prefer to preaching to full rooms. <laughs> but that was my inner critic and anxious spirit talking. But really over this past year from talking with Dave and, uh, and saying, Holy Spirit, you got to you know, help my spirit move from critical to curious. I started asking questions like, well, what is the potential of digital discipleship? Like how, how can we actually invest to reach this next generation of Zoomers who are native to screens, even though I'm more of an immigrant? Mm-hmm. And more importantly for us, how can liquid restructure from a kind of a mega church model where we're reaching, you know, thousands in person at different locations to a meta church model where the potential of reaching tens of thousands online in the years to come? 
And Dave has helped me see the light. Uh, that church online is not just for Christian couch potatoes. <laughs> I, I really do. I really believe, and I'm still preaching myself, that this may be on the front end of one of the greatest evangelistic opportunities of our lifetime. So as a church, we are going all in on digital without giving up the vital need to meet in person because it's not an either or. It's a both and for us. So I would just challenge my fellow pastors out there to put away your binary bias and change your perspective from critical to curious because we have a lot to learn. Yeah, and I would want to encourage everybody listening that it's not too late because some of us may feel like, oh, that ship has sailed. We should have gotten on no. it. We did it, and now it's too late, but it's not. We're on the front end of the digital revolution. We are on the front end, and Dave's going to help us get started today. And honestly, I just want to say, I think this is a, a conversation that's not just important, important, though. It is a bit urgent. Yeah. We do need to start investing in our digital ministry in new ways right now. So I say, hey, let's jump in. Let's discover how to become a MetaChurch. Well, I am thrilled to welcome my good friend Dave Adamson to the podcast, or Aussie Dave, as a lot of you know him, who was a uh, successful TV sports reporter, actually in Australia, before moving to the U.S. in 2008. Welcome, Dave. So good to be here, Tim. Hey, give people the 30-second story, how you ended up in the States in New Jersey. I don't know if I can do it in 30 seconds. Here's the. Here, I'll try. I used to drive into uh, the studio that I worked at uh, every single day. I had a 45-minute commute, and I would listen to Liquid Church on podcast. No kidding. And so I was listening to that for maybe like, like three months on podcast. And then, um, you know, end of 20, 2007, I got offered a job at ESPN in Connecticut. Um, they interviewed me for SportsCenter for uh, a week. And my wife and I at the point at that point, we the only – reason we wanted to take that job was the hope that we could drive to Liquid Church on the weekend. <laughs> oh my goodness. And as we went back home and started wrestling with, should we take this job? Um, we really felt God say, no, don't take the job. And so I've just turned down my dream job. I didn't know what to do. So I emailed Tim. I'm like, well, dude, you're basically my pastor right now. So I'm going to just reach out to you. And much to my surprise, you emailed me back. Yep. I remember real quick and <laughs> gave me your cell phone. Yeah. And said, hey, can you call me tomorrow? And I told Meg, Meg's my wife. I told Meg, my wife, I said, hey, I interview, I've interviewed Nicole Kidman. I've interviewed Chris Evans. I've interviewed Roger Federer. I am more nervous about this phone call with Tim <laughs> than I ever was with any of these other people. And so we talked the next day. I we think did. you were in a park in Madison. I was on my playground, <laughs> pushing my kids on swings and everything. Oh, Absolutely. So and so we talked for about an hour. Yeah, we did. And you and and I got off the phone. I remember thinking he didn't ask me. He didn't help me with my problem. <laughs> but at the end of the call, you said, "Hey, call me tomorrow." Yeah. And so you called me the next. I called you the next morning, and we started talking about what it might look like to come to Liquid. Yeah. And then next minute, we're on a plane flying back out here. And Incredible. Meg and I visited for a week in the middle of a snowstorm. Yes, you did. And then at the end of that week, you offered us the position and we flew home and we made the decision on the plane because we didn't want any outside influence on us. We So right, we had right. this, we had a, like a three day f plane flight to get back. It wasn't three days. It just felt like <laughs> that. And we, by the time we landed, we'd made the decision that we're moving. And we literally, Incredible. I quit my career as a sports reporter, sold wow. our house, sold our cars yeah. and moved to New Jersey. And it was Here we are awesome. 15 years later. It was and so awesome. It was totally the right thing. 
A hundred percent. God was in that. And Dave is a globe trotting superstar now. Yeah. <laughs> so ah. welcome home, man. <laughs> it's good to be home. Incredible. <laughs> but I just catch something there. That's back in 2007. Like mm. podcasts weren't a thing, mm. right? Yeah. So we were just, I mean, I think I was posting podcasts at that point, right? We didn't have anybody on staff or anything, but we're like, let's just put it out there. Yeah. And then some guy, again, halfway across the world in Oz, yeah. <laughs> hears that, but it's spiritually feeding you. Yeah. And it created this connection and literally changes a person's whole life trajectory. Mm. This is the power of digital. So this is going to be- I love that. Okay? Yeah. That's the origin story of the Avenger we're interviewing today. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, We we met online, but then we had a date for a week and we eventually got married. That's that's right. In ministry. Christian Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now here's a cool thing. So when Dave, you became, when you joined Liquid Church, you were like the eighth yeah. church online pastor in the world. Like yeah. that wasn't really a thing. Yeah. But okay. it really blew up. Dave actually in 2013 moved to North Point Ministries to serve as the online and social media pastor under Andy Stanley. Mm-hmm which I was still a little bitter about Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Just world-class, and he right. helps scale um, their digital strategy there. And now you actually work for Orange, right, Dave? Yeah, correct. Yeah, Orange is a ministry that is a church strategy company that came out of North Point. Yeah, yeah. incredible. And so that's working with uh, ministries all around the world for uh, developing strategies for online ministry. But mm. what we're going to talk with Dave about is really his new book, which I'm like you, Lauren. This is my top summer read. In digital, I mean, without question, it's called Meta Church: How to Use Digital Ministry to Reach People. So that's evangelism, and make disciples. So that's making disciples growing deeper. Which is this is a must read. Lauren and I, we we binge this book, right? It's dog-eared. I'm looking at your yes, book, Lauren. See you've all got... the purple tabs, Dave. Don't you want to know what did I have? <laughs> yes, tab? I mean, what... I'm so intimidated by all the purple tabs. <laughs> is, are they errors? Are they? Like... <laughs> What isn't highlighted, right? Right. Yep. It really is. What I love about it, Dave, is it's not just theoretical. It is chock full of practical yep. strategies. It is a roadmap for digital success. So, Dave, welcome. Lauren, you've got a bunch of questions. I do, too. Why don't you start? I know. Too many. But right now, you know, we're all hearing the terms digital ministry, hybrid ministry, fidgetal church, my least favorite. But, uh, you know, and then... <laughs> seriously? Can I pause you for a second? Yes. We should never say fidgetal ever again. It sounds like a crime. And the guy, (laughs) Tim Lucas, a pastor in New Jersey, was arrested for four counts of fidgetal today. Like, it's just (laughs) horrendous. And the guy who coined that phrase, whenever I speak with him, he's got a jar. And every time he says it, I make him put a dollar in the jar. That's hysterical. (laughs) That's hysterical. Well, we'll be laughing about that years from now, all the terms that came out, right? But now, wait, did you coin the term meta-church? Yeah. (laughs) Because there's a little controversy around that. I did coin that term, and and I think you should not ever have Warren Bird on the show. (laughs) No. Look, I thought I'd I'd coined the term meta-church. I really did. And then I met Warren Warren Bird yesterday, and he gave me a book. And in the subtitle of that book is is the word meta-church. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. I signed his copy and said, I concede you invented the word meta <laughs> in 1991. <laughs> is that right? 1991. 1991. Yeah. Incredible. Wow. Yeah. The guy's ahead of a his profit. time. A profit. A little yeah. bit of a pro- prophetic yeah. there. Um, but, you know, we are in metaverse. Let's throw that in there yep. too, which is totally different, but confuses people yeah. too. Yeah. So let's start with a definition. Yeah. What do we actually mean when we say meta-church? Yeah, so for me, um, I don't know what it means to Warren Bird. We need to ask him that. Maybe that's a whole other episode. But for me, it's the idea that that, that word meta is just a prefix. And it's a prefix that means a couple of different things. First of all, it means to transform, as in the word uh, metaphysical. 
uh, sorry, uh, metamorphosis, but mm-hmm. it also means to go beyond, as in the word metaphysical. And so for me, putting meta in front of the word church means mm-hmm. that you're creating a church strategy that goes, that transforms its model to go beyond the Sunday Very so helpful. that you're reaching people beyond that one hour on Sunday and actually reaching people in your local community for the other 167 hours of the week as well. So that's how I called it meta church. And I also like the fact that it you know, changes one word from mega to become meta. And so I think mm. in, in, you know, this is pre-COVID, I, I would, was talking about the idea of meta church. Yeah. But the idea that as church leaders, we, our goal needs to not to try to become a mega church, but a meta church that leverages yes. the best of online and the best of on-site to create opportunities for people to grow in their relationship with Jesus yeah. all throughout the whole week. And, and for the first time in human history, we're literally able to do that. I yeah. mean, I just think we're in a great time as church leaders. Yeah, Tim, we always talk about seven days of discipleship. That's where we want to yes. go, yeah, what we want right. to get towards. So that's yeah. metachurch. Right. Yeah, yeah. Metachurch. It intimidates people because they think, well, how do you measure that and all that kind of stuff? But the potential to actually get into, hey, how many of your people are, are actually doing daily digital devotions? Yeah. How they're increasing Bible engagement? We've never been able to measure that before. So yeah. there's incredible potential here. Mm-hmm. Dave, my question is, you note your book, you know, that pre-COVID, Church online was kind of like, you know, second fiddle Mm -hmm. to church on site. It was, uh, you know, like, oh, it's a good backup. That's, again, what I often thought. But you propose that two models should complement each other, not compete. But I'll be honest, I talk with a lot of lead pastors today who are like, you know what, we're stopping that, the whole church online thing, or we're stopping our live stream because we want people to go back to our buildings and we're worried it might cannibalize a congregation. Digital ministry frightens a lot of church leaders. What, What are we so afraid of? Um, I think we're afraid of a whole bunch of things. First of all, I think we're we have a fear of innovation. That's yeah. one of those fears that we have, and and that's built into this idea that if the world is using something, then the church can't use it. But God is in the business of redeeming. He redeems right. us, right? So therefore, He can redeem that technology. Um, yeah. You know, we've been saying for ages, Tim, you you and I have been saying the Holy Spirit works as much in pixels, absolutely, as in person. Yes, and so. You know, understanding that is is the first part. Uh, that will eradicate some of the fear. But if I'm really candid with you, I think part of the fear is more internal for us. Hmm. Because as pastors, especially pastors who are speaking from a stage, yeah. we measure uh, our success in, in pastoral ministry by the number of people who are sitting in front of us yeah. when, when we preach on a Sunday. The shadow side of leadership. And mm-hmm. more than that, we yeah. measure our self-worth and our mm. self-esteem by oh, what, that's how deadly. many people sat in deadly. front of us. Yeah. And so when there's nobody sitting in front of us anymore and we're looking at a camera or half yeah. the pe- audience is sitting in front of us and we're looking at a camera, we don't get the same feel about it. And the reality is we then spiritualize that by talking about Hebrews 10.25, right? Oh, Hebrews right. 10.25 is why I'm saying, well, I would be encouraging you to look inside a little bit further mm-hmm. um, because I know for me, I know for me as a musician, as, as a speaker, I, it feels better when there's more people in front sure. of us. And so I think that drives part of what we do. And so that leads to fear. Yeah. And so we come into the online offline thing with with already the, the dividing line drawn. Yeah. We've drawn a line in the sand and it's one or the other, but it doesn't have to be. This is the great thing. It can be both and. Yes. It can be a meta experience where the best of online and the best of on site yeah. work together. And the world's been doing this for years, right? Right. right. Think of Starbucks. I remember when we used to have to park our car like Neanderthals, get out and <laughs> go in and yes. actually speak to somebody to order and pick up our coffee, right? 
And then yeah. it changed, and we could do drive-through, and we're all like, yeah. "That's pretty cool. I can do drive-through now." Yeah. And I still have to talk to somebody, so it's a bit Neanderthal still. But then they came out with an app, and now we can order our coffees and just swing yes. by and pick it up. We don't have to talk to anybody. Yeah. But now even Starbucks is changing. Right. Because the app now is geotagged, so it recognizes it's 7 in the morning, you're driving down that route that you always drive to, we probably assume you're going to work, and you need a coffee. Hey, they ping you with a notification. Would you like to order your wow. tall vente yeah. almond milk latte yes. right now? Uh, you just hit the notification and you pick it up on the way through. It's already paid for. I love so that. So you give your tithe digitally to St. Arbuck's without even going into the temple. That's what we need. Would <laughs> exactly. you Would you like Saint. to give your tithe to church right now? Ping. St. Arbuck's. But you get the idea. Like that's, that is literally a, a meta approach. Yeah. That's a yeah. meta approach. Yeah. It's making it yeah. much more convenient. Um, plus, but I mean, if you want to go in, you can still go sure. in and people will still do that because people will always work at Starbucks, yeah. but Starbucks has figured this out and they've gone, yeah. we're not really about, we're, we're about creating the environment, not really about the selling of the coffee. Yeah. One of the things, uh, Dave really, and you and I, I think we share this. We have a man crush on a guy named Frank Blake. Oh, yes. Who's in his seventies. So he might be eighties. I don't, I don't know. Seven, let's go with seventies. Yes. He, <laughs> a brilliant leader from the marketplace, mm. former CEO of Home Depot. Mm. And I met him down in Georgia. You talk about him in the book. You've yeah. had some great conversations with it. Yeah. That conversation is worth the price of this book alone. Agreed. Frank Blake is one of the foremost digital evangelists. When he took over Home Depot, I think it was 2004, yeah. um, they were opening a bricks and mortar store every other day. So mm. imagine that, 180 plus you know, superstores every other day. And that was a, their model. And he said, the first thing as CEO, we're actually stopping, hitting pause on the bricks and mortar buildings, and we're going all in on digital. Yeah. And he I was a small group of pastors, and he said, and we were like, how did that go? He said, the board almost fired me <laughs> within yeah. a week because it upset the whole thing. But he said, no, no, no. He goes, I have this hunch that if we invest in digital, we will increase foot traffic into the stores. Yeah. Four years later, they increased foot traffic and sales by 700%. Yeah. Because he goes, he goes, and I'm selling faucets, and you as pastors yeah. are sharing faith, something yeah. e infinitely more eternal and lasting. He goes, but I don't understand how the church is so far behind. Yeah, And you look at that now, and I'm like, man, I do that all the time. Uh, I, I go on Home Depot, and it knows, hey, it's spring. I'm going to give them fertilizer and rakes and that sort of thing. And they know what I'm looking at and looking yeah. for, my felt needs. Yeah. And I'm look, at, But I don't always buy online. I actually look and say, oh, that's where I need. And it's in aisle 18A. And then I go in and talk to someone helpful. Is yeah. it, that, is, that is the money for them. Because yeah. they the, you can shop online, find it. It tells you that it's in that store right. exactly where it is. And this is what, this is what they worked out. Yes. Uh, the number of footsteps, like you talked about, foot traffic was increased. Yeah. But the number of footsteps people took in a store was less. Mm, right, because so they went. They knew exactly, they knew where, they exactly where to go, yeah. and it, then they would, or they would buy it online and go straight to the online pickup. So again, they were still going there, but they were taking less footsteps in. Yeah. And this is one of the questions I ask in the book: How many footsteps does somebody have to take in your church before yeah. you're okay, quote unquote, with their discipleship, with how they're tracking with their faith? I would argue it doesn't have to be many. In fact. It could be none. They could be watching your message on live stream or on demand or listening on podcasts and then getting into a small group on Sundays right. and still giving online. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, we. If I if I may, and then yeah. Lauren, I know you want to jump you in see, here. I have the book. You open. get David like, going with this well, man. Uh, I know. You got two preachers going. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I've got a better story. Yeah, but this 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 is true. Last week, our finance department came to us and said, "Hey, we just want to let you know uh, that one of our small groups um, actually wants to sponsor a clean water well mm-hmm. in Rwanda. That's our church's mission. Yeah. We bring clean water to thirsty children in Africa, and we're focused on Rwanda." I said, oh, that's incredible. How generous. I said, so they gave a check for $10,000. I was like, that's amazing. I'd love to just call them and thank them and hear how the Holy Spirit put that in their heart. And they said, well, it's weird. It's a, a small group is from Oregon. Mm. I said, we have small groups in Oregon? We're on the East Coast predominantly. I said, yeah, apparently so. There is a small group of people who stumbled onto Liquid Church online during the pandemic, yeah. started watching, downloads our small group discussion guides, formed a small group, watch every week in their living room, declared themselves a small group and says, we want to be on mission with you. Wow. They've never been in person to our church on the East Coast, and yet we're on mission together in Africa. So good. Well, and then they're giving their finances toward opening a clean water well. It's incredible. Amazing, right? Like yeah. that That's the potential. So I, I just want to encourage uh, a lot of our audience here who, again, maybe somewhere in that, you know, agnostic, oh, I still have a, a lot of reservations. Don't view this as an obstacle, but an mm. opportunity. Mm. We may, God may have chosen you to be at this hinge point in history where we're on the bleeding edge of an evangelistic opportunity that comes along again every, well, it used to be 400 years yeah. <laughs> Reformation, but now I think every 40 and now 14 and four yeah. and closer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I cracked open Dave's book because you guys started talking about Frank Blake, and yeah. there's this quote that you have from him in your book, Metachurch, that I love. It says, we were not the first company to take the internet seriously, we were just one of the first to dedicate a lot of resources to it, including our best people. Yeah. So this yeah. question I have mm-hmm. is that there's a lot of people in ministry, they're on board with this, Dave, but the senior leadership is not. Yeah. And so mm. they're really, they can't move forward yeah. because I feel like you need organizational alignment. You need some resourcing to do this. So what would actually be your appeal to those senior leaders? Um, well, first of all, check I would, I would say do that internal check of what's driving that for you from a Sunday attendance point of mm-hmm. view. That would be part of it. Um, part of it would also be, you know, our, our, our theology around giving changed completely. Like we were like, you know, you could quote scripture in alignment with Hebrews 10.25 about uh, assembling together with make sure you bring the full tithe into the storehouse, right? right. But pastors are really happy to receive they don't require anybody to just, we only accept, and the only real tithes are the tithes that show up in the offering plate as cash. <laughs> right, right. No, no, our theology changed when people could give via an app, yeah. could do recur giving through their bank yeah. account. Like digital giving, we were like, we're easy early adopters to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so again, it's, right, it's that right. internal That's question good. of, of, yeah. Of what is the thing behind it that's stopping you from doing this, that, that makes you agnostic or yeah. it makes you dead against it? And I think it might be more personal than anything else because we have this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to literally go into all the world in a second right? by something we produced on YouTube, something we put out on a podcast, anything like that. And isn't our goal to reach more people? And if our goal is to reach more people specifically, and this, this is where I think it starts to come down because I think a lot of these pastors – especially of smaller churches, think, I don't have the resources to reach the people around the world. Don't focus on online being something that you have to use to reach people who are in three states over. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Use it, focus it around the people who live within driving distance of your church building. If you can leverage technology 
to reach the people who live in the community that God has specifically called you to serve mm. as a local yeah. pastor, that might shift your thinking a yeah. little bit and it might change everything you post yeah. online because you're going to make it more contextualized to those families that live within driving distance of your building. Again, it's that idea that in 20, 2008 when I started Tim at Liquid, Content was king. Yeah. Right mm. now, context is king. Mm. And so work to the context of your local community yeah. and use online to reach them specifically. You know, like it's funny. That. In the book, I like how you challenge that, even that word broadcast yeah. and saying, actually, yes, you can broadcast, yes, to thousands, millions of people, but it actually needs to be a narrow cast, almost like hyper-localized ministry. Yeah. You told me that story of the one pastor who was feeling discouraged. They were, he was a part of a smaller church. He's like, our worship online is terrible. Yeah. No one watches it. Maybe 200 people, and I'm getting 40 views on our Facebook stream. Yeah. And you said, just go live. Take people where they are because yeah. they'd prefer more personal than more polish. And there was a pretty remarkable result. Yeah, so this was this was a pastor who one day took me up on that offer and literally just took his dog for a walk, broke out his phone, went to YouTube Live, did it all vertical, said, hey, I'm walking around the neighborhood, walking my dog. Um, and I, I, I need prayer right now because like the pandemic has got me all stressed and my anxiety's up. I'm thinking there's people in, in our town who need prayer as well. And so is there anybody who needs prayer? If you need prayer, just shoot me a, a, a comment. And mm -hmm. so he started reading comments as they started to come through one, two, as he's five, walking his dog, eight, as he's walking his dog. And he literally just prayed for each person by name. Like he said, you know, God, I want to pray for Tim today. And whatever that prayer request was, and then he, God, I also want to pray for Lauren today. I, I see that she's in the comments. She's put this is happening in her life. Would you just do this? So he started praying for people by name. And that highly personal thing went on for about 45 minutes as people just poured into asking questions. He wakes up the next morning, and this 45-minute video, which was in similar length to his Sunday messages that were getting 40 maxed out at about 55 views, he woke up, and there was like, 17,000 views on this wow. video. Incredible. And he, he's like, what happened? And I said, you were personal and you contextualized it to your local community. Wow. He wasn't praying for people in another country. Right. He was praying for the people who were living within his region. His neighbors. Yes. He was praying for his neighbors. And you don't think that that's going to impact his church down the track. Now, here's the thing. Don't do it because it might bring more people to your church. Mm -hmm. But he was reaching people who have never set foot inside of his church. Yeah. The thing I love about it, and, and I, I didn't know the follow-up to this, but here's what I believe. Somebody in that community, at some point, they're going to go through a medical trial, a financial trial, mm -hmm. lose a job, break broken relationship. Hey, we should think about going to church. Which church should we go to? Let's go to that one where that pastor prayed for us that right, time. Right, mm -hmm. And right. that's the beauty yeah. of this. This is how yeah. you literally reach more people. And then the discipleship stuff starts yeah. afterwards. So I would say a lot of churches, a lot of church leaders, very strategic thinkers, right? I want to have the strategy in place before we do it. Right. Sometimes I think we just need to take out our phones and do something yeah. to reach people first before we can bring them into our community, whatever that looks like, on-site or yeah. online, to start to, to disciple them. He, he was using the, his, that social media as a telephone, not a megaphone. Exactly. That's something you taught me, yeah. where you said that 90% of church leaders are misusing yeah. social media. 
They're using it as a megaphone, a yeah. one-way amplification of come to our building, come yeah. to our event. Hey, guys, this Sunday is going to be the most life-changing event. Hope you're there. Worship. Blah, 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 blah. We're so awesome. I heard you saying that yesterday. We're so awesome. Yeah. What we did is going to be great. What what we did was great. Yeah. What we're going to do is going to be even better. We're right. amazing. We're not inviting <laughs> conversation. It's just literally promotion. Yeah. Well, the listeners to this podcast can't see that I just did a massive eye roll at that because this is one of those things that frustrates me. Every church does this. Yeah. Friday, guilty. Saturday. Oh my gosh, you need to come this Sunday. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Best service uh, that we've ever produced. Relationships are going to get restored. Right. People are going to lose weight. They're going to grow their hair back. Um, you know, Millennials are bulletproof to that. Oh, right? Yeah. It's just like flick. It's gone. We don't even bother yeah. reading, listening, watching. So that is us as churches right. telling yeah. people how good we are, how good what we did last week was, how much be- what we've got coming up. Hype. We take photos of ourselves we th- right. and post it. We take videos of ourselves right. and post it. When it's so simple for us just to do one thing. On, on Friday or Saturday, here's what I would suggest. Friday or Saturday, this might be the first practical thing. Okay. Church leaders, on Friday or Saturday, when you're about to post that thing about how awesome your Sunday service is going to be, stop and tell people why they should come. Don't just say, you should come because it's going to be amazing. Of course you would say that. If we were in a restaurant business and we said, we've got the best pizza in town, of course you do. But people go to Yelp to find out what people are actually saying about you, right? Right. So I'm saying as church leaders, tell them why. Hey, this Sunday is going to be awesome because we're going to share with you the secret hack to improving every relationship you've ever had. Yeah. That's a, I'm going to, I'll come to that. Yeah. I'm going to shop there. Yeah. Let me, today we're going to show you three things you can do this week to improve your financial Mm -hmm. situation. I don't know, whatever it might be, but actually tell people why they come. That's what I would be suggesting. And then don't on Monday, don't post. This is what, this is what you missed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That instantly takes the negative approach to it. I would suggest this instead. What about on Saturday afternoon? Do a, this is what happened last week at Liquid Church. Because remember, Lauren, I don't know how old you are. I'm looking to Tim here. Remember when we were growing up? I'm old. Smart man. When we were were growing up, we didn't have on-demand video. We didn't have Netflix. We didn't have that. So so if we wanted to watch, you know, Battlestar Galactica, I don't know, that was the first show that popped into my head. Each episode would start with what? Last time on, right? The right. Previously on, La- yeah, yeah. Previously yeah. on Night yes. Rider, and it would catch you up a little bit. So if you missed it, you were in with the story. Right. What if churches did that? Hey, last week at Liquid, right? Here it is, right. and you go, hey, that's interesting. I might want to come this time because I got right. something out of that video. But instead, we posted on Monday as a yeah. negative. Here's what you missed if you weren't in church. Right. We have to change. I think we have to change our thinking around yeah. things like that. So let's get super practical. I mean, you've started giving us some tools. And so how do we actually do this? First, can you pinpoint maybe a couple things that most of us are getting wrong right now when it comes to actually hosting church online that we could easily correct? Because there's a lot of debate about, you know, service times, yeah. you know, is it on demand or is it, you know, just Sunday morning, service length, platforms even to use, whether we should, should we post worship or just the yeah. message. If we want to make some immediate improvements, you know, this week, this month, maybe on Monday, yeah. what can we do? So the most controversial thing I'll say is this. I think for a lot of churches, the most innovative thing you could do on Monday is to make a decision to stop streaming your lives, your services. Stop streaming Stop them. streaming stop, them? Stop streaming. Yeah. You mean live streaming? Stop live streaming your services. That's the most innovative thing some churches could do. You should but, see Tim in my face right now. <laughs> yeah, I have to say I'm a little are, taken aback. Our eyes are really okay. big. <laughs> so here's why I would say that. A church like Liquid yeah. shouldn't. You should keep live streaming. But there are churches out there, and the majority of churches in the U.S. are smaller churches with limited resources. Right. And there's 
one and a half people on staff. Like the pastor's getting paid a small sum, and he's mm. got some, you know, some secretary who's working for him as well, and trying to do all of the social media in along with that. And it's then they're pushing a camera out the front and trying to live stream it, and struggling and stressing and building anxiety around. I would say, you know what? Take that pressure off. Just keep doing what you're doing on site on Sundays. Okay. And then you put that time and energy into using your social media to impact your local community. Like okay. that pastor did on his prayer walk with his dog. Do that instead. Okay. Again, we think hyper local. Hyper local, hyper low key, and low production. Again, in church hmm. world, we think that everything has to be overproduced, especially in large church world. We hmm. overproduce everything. But in reality, especially you know, screen ages and Zoomers for them, highly personal is greater than highly produced. Mm. The videos that are getting the most views right now aren't the highly produced videos. They're the videos that people use sunlight as their light. Mm -hmm. They use the $1,000 camera that they've got in their pockets (laughs) that's got built-in microphones and all sorts of things, and that's all they're doing. And they're just creating hyper-personal, hyper-authentic content. So I would say that could be one thing you could do. Okay, Decide to stop streaming. I like that. That's powerful. It is. It's definitely counterintuitive. It is. It is. I mean, and you're really saying get out of it. Even the, it drains it of the competition too. Because right now it's like people can hear world-class preaching anywhere, anytime around the world from any country. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, but we've got to compete with whatever, you know, aspirationally. And it's even worse with worship because to get audio right, the right mixing and all of that, it's like... (laughs) So, so much energy and stress around that. And you're saying, just stop. Yeah, just stop. Take that, <laughs> take that pressure off. And again, this is not for every pastor. Okay. For sure. And, and we also have to keep in mind, we have to balance this. Because for some people in our communities, online is their lifeline. It's mm. the only way mm. they can connect because they're homebound. They're, they're shift workers. They've got some immune deficiency disorder. That means they can't come along. We have to provide content for them. So we have to balance this out for sure. But you're right, Tim. I can listen to the best speakers from around the world. And this is one of the fears as well is the fear of comparison that some pastors have. Um, our worship team, well, we can just stream Spotify, Hillsong, Elevation, Bethel, you name it. We can right. do mm-hmm. like, And this is the funny thing. People are already doing that. Pastors right. think, oh, but if they start streaming my service, they might start listening to Andy Stanley. They're already listening <laughs> to Andy Stanley. Uh, but it, they, they might start listening to Hillsong instead of They're yeah. already yeah. listening to Hillsong. Maybe like, we could do a cover of Elevation better than Elevation <laughs> actually does it. Yeah. Not true. Isn't it right? funny how we think, though? We think yeah. these sorts of things, and yeah. we don't assume that people are already doing this. But they actually are doing this. In fact, you know, there's, there's statistics that show that more people than ever are accessing content through podcasts mm. from other churches, accessing messages, accessing worship, all of those things are happening. So embrace that and, and just put out content that's hyper-localized because there's one thing that you church pastor who's listening to this right now, there's one thing you can do that Tim Lucas can't do. There's one thing you can do that Craig Rochelle, Andy Stanley, name your celebrity pastor can't <laughs> do, and that's reach the people who mm-hmm. are in your local community. Right. Because Tim wasn't called to serve right. in Melbourne, Australia. Right. But if you're in Melbourne, Australia, yeah. you can do something there and speak into that context. Absolutely. But you have to work out what what are the questions that people are asking in your local town, in your local community, in your county, and then start creating content that helps interact with those needs and meet mm. those felt needs. And that that's what I would suggest doing. 
man, that takes, I just want to take the pressure off the, the pastors who pastor churches under 100, under 200, who just don't have those resources and are always comparing themselves to the liquid churches, the life churches, the North Point churches, the elevation churches. Yeah. Let's take that pressure off. Do the thing that only you can do, and you can do so much better than any of those celebrity pastors. This is so helpful, Dave. I'm just taking notes here. I'm hearing you say hyper-local beats broadcast. 100%. Right? Get n- actually narrower. Yeah, so narrowcast beats broadcast. Okay, good. Dialogue beats monologue. Yeah. Right? Sermons are one-way monologue, yeah. but what that pastor did is actually have a dialogue. He's actually yeah. using social media like a telephone, not yeah. a megaphone. Correct. And then this uh, whole idea that this is fascinating. I'm just writing this down. Highly personal beats highly produced every time. Every time. That's... You know this. You're a dad. You look at the videos your kids are watching, right? It's oh, all yeah. like, oh gosh, it's that, not produced. Yeah, stuff. it's he's not polished. He hasn't written anything out. Right. She's not using great lighting. They're not using great. Yeah. If you had to do one thing, just one thing to improve the quality of your production, I would say get a get a microphone that plugs into your phone, like with a lightning port that plugs into your phone. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I would say because people will always. They'll put up with bad video, but they don't put up with bad audio. A hundred percent. So try yeah. to make it sound better. And you can get a, you know, you can get a microphone for your iPhone anywhere from twenty to eighty dollars. Like yeah. it, it's pretty cheap. That's the only production I would say you actually really need. Now, if you've got great resources, you're a larger church. Yeah, try to up that energy. But it's so funny that, you know. Um, I would say pastors need to be using YouTube Shorts and TikTok as their number one and two platforms at the moment. And you look at the content on those platforms, it's so underproduced. So we have to just recognize where the people are, what they're watching, what what content they're consuming, Mm -hmm. and then be smart about the way we leverage that to interact with those people. Let me just catch that. Did you just (laughs) – I think I just heard you say – you just stepped over Facebook and Instagram. Like, oh. you, like you don't even bother with those yeah. anymore. You were saying you would be investing in TikTok and YouTube shorts. It's like short yes. vertical video. I'm going to flip those okay. as a priority, YouTube yep. shorts. That, that, is, that would be my number one platform Why? that pastors should be using. Short, for, short form vertical video is, is – it's not just a trend right now. This is going to be the future. And we all hate that as pastors because we want to speak for 37 minutes according to studies. <laughs> Horizontally, too. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> totally. 16 by 9. Yeah, 16 by 9. <laughs> but people are consuming short-form digital, uh, short-form vi- vertical video right now, and we need to be producing content that comes out like that. Now, again, pastors are going, wait, 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 wait. We do 37-minute message right. on Sundays on yeah. a stage. It's wide. Like, can I – don't stop doing that. Just repurpose on purpose that content you create on Sundays into mm. those short-form vertical formats. The reason I put YouTube ahead of TikTok is YouTube is still a search engine. So YouTube Shorts, in my opinion, beat TikTok purely because people can search your evergreen content from now until Jesus comes back on YouTube. So you just have to title it really, really well, put it into that format, title it really well, and then use YouTube cards, YouTube's end screens, and YouTube descriptions to point people to your 37-minute message, Mm -hmm. which TikTok can't do. But then take that piece of content you put onto YouTube Shorts and post it to TikTok as well and try to do the same thing. They don't have as many options for direct live links back to your 37-minute message, but you can still add it in the captions. Then take that same video, put it out onto 
Instagram as an Instagram reel or an Instagram story. So that way that one piece of content has got this multi-channel approach to it, multi-pronged approach. So you're gonna hit more people in the moment that they need it the most. And if it's hyper-localized as well, that's the fourth prong. Hmm. Now the people, this is the funny thing about YouTube, right? When people search for content on YouTube or search for content on Google, Google is a geotagged search. So it provides answers from within your local community first. This is the this is the best tool that local pastors have. If somebody searches for um, what does the Bible say about my finances, I don't know, yeah. the first thing I could think of. Um, if you've created content around that in Troy, Michigan, mm-hmm. then your and people are searching for that in Troy, Michigan, then that search is going to be geotagged. And so you're more likely to pop up in their feed Interesting. than Tim Lucas in New Jersey. Right. Yeah. right because right. It, that search is geotagged. And this is something that I've been doing with uh, ministries around the world is helping them find the top 100 faith questions in their local community yeah. or their local county or their local state. So if you can find those top 100, forget that. Find the top 50 most highly searched faith questions, questions that people are actually typing into Google about Church, Jesus, the Bible, right. God. What's the Bible say about uh, abortion? Yeah, or gay people, yeah. or even these hot button issues. If you're creating content around that, people will find it. And that if you just do mm. fifty of them, that's adding Easter and Christmas. That's a year's worth of preaching. And in that year's worth of preaching, you're answering questions that people are actually asking in the church. We are really good at answering questions no one is asking. That actually ties into something that you say within your book, because you're saying, hey, nobody is actually going to Google to search for a church. They're not going there to look for your church. They're actually going there to get questions to the answers that pertain to their life, whatever they're struggling with, right? Like, how do I fix my marriage? How do I become a better mom? How do I find hope? How do I stop looking at porn? All of these questions that they're struggling with, you actually call it a zero moment of truth. Can you explain what that is, why it matters. That's good. Yeah, I don't call it that. Google has called it okay. that. Um, and Google came up with this term because what they, what Google realized and what they leveraged so well is that people have a zero moment of truth when it comes to buying products, right? They go, hey, that's a really good sweater, Tim. I'm, I, I want to find out where I can get that. And they go to Google to find the answer to that. That is called the zero moment of truth. I've made a decision that I want to purchase something, and so I go to Google to find answers. So for me, as a photographer, it's always, what is the best camera for 2022? Mm. Right, right. And and companies, that's my zero moment of truth. And companies like Sony and Canon and Fuji and, and, and Nikon pay hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to make sure that when you type that in, when I type that in, they're at the very top of that first uh, uh, search engine result page, right? Mm -hmm. SERP, S-E-R-P, search engine result page. They pay thousands of dollars to, to get to that. But for us as church leaders, our zero moment of truth is when somebody goes to Google and they're actually doing this and typing in, how do I fix my marriage? How do I overcome my porn addiction? How do I find hope? We need to be creating content that that mm. serves answers those questions because then Google and YouTube do the evangelism for us in our local community. This is the great part of it. Right, they can evangelize for us because we're creating content that actually answers the questions mm. that people are actually asking. And when we're talking about creating content, this could be a blog post that answers the question. Yeah. It could be a sermon that, like you've said, yeah. you've cut down into multiple versions. Right, you've repurposed it. Yeah. Like so, when you say content for people listening, yeah. what are we actually creating? So. I would go one better, but okay. both of those examples are great. It could be a written blog post, it could be an audible podcast, or it could be a mm. video piece of content. Okay. Now, when it comes to the video piece of content, 
again, use your own life as an example. Tim, if you yeah. have to fix a faucet at your home, yep. don't know how to do it, you go to Google, types in, how do I fix this faucet? I, I go to YouTube now. Well, yeah. My son taught me that. Well, I don't even bother with it. Even Google. if you go to Google, Google will provide you with YouTube videos right. because Google owns guess, YouTube. Yeah, that's right. Uh -huh. And there's three options. One is uh, a minute and 11 seconds. The next one is seven minutes. The next one after that is 12 minutes and 42 seconds. Which one do you click on first? The minute long, always. Yet we post 37-minute messages and we wonder why people aren't watching them. And we, we, we cry persecution. It's persecution. YouTube is persecuting the church because I'm talking about Jesus. No, YouTube is not persecuting the church. First of all, go and talk to some church leaders in China yeah. about persecution and then come back to me. It's not the algorithm. The algorithm is always an issue, but it's never an excuse. And what I mean by that is it's always going to be there and it is predominantly trying to get people to create the content that is being consumed the most and short form content short is being form. consumed the most. So to answer your question, Lauren, yeah. create, if you've preached that message around hope and people are looking for hope, take that message, post it to YouTube, that's mm -hmm. one piece of content. Then cut that video up, edit it out, take out one point, one of your three points and post a four to seven minute-ish version. Then that's with the average length of a video on YouTube. So post that as well with all the links back, then recut it again so that you've got a 60 second version of it that you can post to YouTube Shorts. Then write a blog post, transcribe that long form video, turn it into a pod, uh, into a blog post and embed the video into the podcast, uh, it, it video into the blog. So then you've got all, and then you strip the audio and you've got a podcast as well. One piece of content, this is the, this is the thing. We create, churches are, uh, are content creation machines, but we're not content distribution machines. Mm -hmm. We're terrible at content distribution. Oh, that's so true. We just put it in the back files. Like it's in the archives. Yeah, or lights went off at the building, that message is done. Right, we don't talk about it again. Uh, Next unless, Sunday's coming. Unless we need to regurgitate it two years later, we right? We should Correct. be living in perpetuity out on the web. Yes, because it's evergreen content. Most people, because mm. the scriptures we are preaching from, they haven't changed, mm -hmm. right? It, right? Most of this, I would I would argue 80, 85% of the content that a pastor preaches on on a Sunday is yeah. evergreen content. Hope is always needed. Right. You know, right. lives right. always they, need to be changed. Grief, all the things people are doing. Yeah, so yeah. we've got this great content. We just need to distribute it better. Yeah. So, and there's services that can transcribe your content for free. Right. Why not leverage it and turn it into a blog post as well? And then if you embed the video in, that creates backlinks and Google loves its backlinks. And suddenly you've got all this SEO built up. So when you post something to social media, you're not relying on Facebook's algorithm to get that content out. You've, you've hit it in five different ways that are getting that content out for you. Just a word of encouragement for folks who are listening, because this can sound a little bit overwhelming, Surely. but I actually think it is achievable no matter what size church you are, because you're already creating the content. So really, Dave, you're talking about repurposing what you're already creating. Yeah. And then if you're like, backlinks, what? Well, what's happening here? Yeah. Tim and I always say, hey, there's young people in your church who are way smarter than you are. Thousand percent And agree. bring them on board and let them help you do this. Yes, I totally agree with that. And, and they're probably looking for service opportunities as well. They, yeah. they just don't want to park yeah. cars or babysit kids. <laughs> yeah, they've probably got you know, three times as many YouTube subscribers as the church has. So why don't we just start using them? Like, like give them something to do in your church. I think it, it's yeah. such a great way, great, great way to do it. To get more bang for your preaching buck, yes. you should try to get it as to as many channels as possible. Yeah, you know the book is Meta Church: How to Use Digital Ministry to Reach People. That's the evangelism and make disciples, lead them deeper in Jesus. 
Um, Dave Adamson is our guest. I, I'm just so thankful, Dave, that you put all of those learnings. And again, like you, Lauren, if people are listening to it and it's overwhelming, like, where do I even mm. begin? What I love about your book is it's a step-by-step. It, this is like the Bible for digital ministry. Like if we, you could actually follow these steps. And I think one of my favorite chapters is chapter nine, repurpose on purpose, yep. which you just kind of reference, right? Taking the content that you've already created, um, your Sunday message, repurposing it on different social media channels. Walk us through the concept of a content pyramid. Yeah. Because I think that's a ministry, you know, it's a strategy really churches of any size could immediately begin to implement. Yeah. Well, it starts with that long form piece of content. So that's your 35, 37 minutes. Is there still a place for that online? Oh, heck yes. Okay. Yeah. But you have to help people get to that place. Okay. Again, you know, if my if I go over to my neighbor and my neighbor says, hey, Hey man, my, my marriage is falling apart, and yeah. and I go, I pull out my phone and go, oh, you should watch this thirty-seven minute video that my pastor did on. Do it. No, that's the equivalent of yeah, it's you're just trying to invite somebody to church, and they go, I don't want to. Yeah, it's just I don't too want much. to walk into the church. So so you have to create shorter form pieces of content. So take that thirty-five, let's say thirty-five minute sure. piece of content, and then what I'm saying is cut it down to maybe a seven minute highlight, like, like one a, section of it. Like a TED talk, yeah, like well, a smaller yeah, version. Okay. One point that you made that, okay. that is particularly okay. relevant and then retitle that video, put it on YouTube. I would also say strip the audio of that and make a really short podcast that you release midweek. Why one seven minutes? Why not? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The, you know, two years ago, three years ago, the average commute in, in the US was 22 minutes. What do you think the average commute is now? Yeah, right. It's cut in half because most people aren't commuting. Mm-hmm. They work from home yeah. or, or, or they yeah. hybrid work. And so I would I would do that and turn that into a blog post as well. One piece of content transcribed for free. I would post those so out as a couple So 35 minute, then down to seven. Yeah. Then does the funnel get even yes. Yeah, we do narrowed? a minute message here. Yeah, I would go down to a minute as well. And that's where you're posting that as a YouTube short, as a priority. Okay. TikTok as a second priority. Instagram as a third priority. And I would even post that horizontally to to Facebook as well. Okay. Like just, and to Twitter, 100% to Twitter. Twitter really? is one of the ones that is overlooked constantly. I love Twitter because for when it comes to Twitter, Twitter is the only social media platform that is predominantly men. It's a, like a, hmm. a, not exact, but about a 70-30 split no of kidding. men. So all these churches, and I talk to church leaders all the time and they say, we wish there were more men in our churches. Use Twitter to post content out that short, that short one minute thing. That is fascinating. Why? Men don't want long pieces of content. They want short, <laughs> man. They want the sports scores. They want the traffic conditions. They want the weather. <laughs> That's true. Uh, just what, how hot is it? That's all right. I want to know. <laughs> 270 characters. What? Just out of curiosity, do you know the percent, the breakdown demographically gender on Instagram? Is that female? Yeah, so this won't be exact because yeah. it changes, fluctuates all the time, but it's about a 70-30 split men on Twitter. It's about a 60-40 split on Instagram. So I've got my Instagram account. I tell my wife all the time, I've basically got uh, a women's ministry of about 80,000 people. <laughs> what are you doing today? I'm in my mi- women's ministry. But it's true. I, I just, I watch the demographics and it's about, yeah. you know, it's about 60, 40. Sometimes it fluctuates a little yeah. bit higher, but again, we just have to be aware. So that's why I tell churches, don't post don't post what you just put on Instagram onto Twitter exactly because you're reaching a different audience. Right. And the way people will access that information, the type of people will access that information is so, so different. So split yeah. that up. I yeah. wouldn't even do that for Facebook to Instagram, which a lot of churches still do. Disconnect those and post. You can post the same content, but post it a little bit differently on each yes. of the platforms. 
He's got a TGIF strategy, TikTok, Google, Instagram, it's, Facebook. Yeah. And uh, what I think you're doing here, and if I could just paint this picture in our listeners' heads, you're saying you need to leave a trail of digital breadcrumbs yeah. Yeah. all the way to the banquet that table. That starts with the, the lowest small bar. And that lo- first bar might be just a, a, a photo of the local community, the, the main street of your local community with a quote over it from Sunday's message right. that is helpful for as many people as possible. Okay. Right? So it might yep. be, you, you know, I'll, I'll use an Andy Stanley. Following Jesus makes your life better, makes you better at life. And that can go over any photo. It doesn't have to be a photo of the person who said it. Right. I would say take a photo of the main street in your town and put that graphic over that photo. Right. Because then people locally go, oh, I recognize that yeah. place. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it feels a little bit more local. Right. Then have that lead to a YouTube short video that's 60 right. seconds. Have that oh, point to a- So it links up. You keep trading yeah. up. So you keep trading up constantly. This is the thing. I tell my kids this all the time. They go into Hot Topic, Right. The woman, and I've taught my kids this. I've walked them up to the counter. Now, watch what we're going to do here. Uh, the lady at the counter will say something like, oh, hey, wh- wh- can I get you an email for this? And I look at my daughter and she'll go, yep, it's uh, and I stop. Wait, wait, wait. Your, your email is worth something. Don't yeah. give that away for free. Yeah. And it's the same with our time and our energy and our, our attention. People want our our time and our attention. So we have to start small and earn the right to get from one minute or, or a graphic to one minute, from one minute to seven minutes, from seven minutes to 37 minutes. That's We have mm. to earn the right to do that. Yeah. And that comes by producing helpful content and dribbling that out throughout the week. Yeah. When pastors say to me, oh, we, uh, we struggle with social media because we've just got nothing to post. No, you've got so much right. to post. Right. It doesn't have to be just that. In fact, here's what I want to do. Everybody who's listening, I don't know, do you all have an email that people can contact you through? Yeah, it's just info at churchchangers.com. Info at churchchangers.com. If you, if you type in and send an email, I'm going to give you, if you, in the U.S., a PDF of all of the U.S. holidays and it's a, a, a list that I've gone through and, and curated of all the U.S. and international days. I'm talking about okay. International Coffee Day. Uh, oh, Donut Day. It, I like today's that Donut one. Day. <laughs> it's uh, Chocolate Lovers Day. It's Walk Your Dog to Work Day. Like I curated all of all of those days, and I've got a PDF that I'll I'll give to all of your listeners. Yeah. It's it's the day, the hashtags associated with that day because oh, that's super important. Okay, and then a link. To a subsplash, uh, sorry, an unsplash. Photo. Unsplash is where you get free, yeah, free stuff, photos. your royalty yeah. free photos that best suits. Like it gives you an option of some photos. Here's some photos you could use for that. So I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for right. churches to get connected in conversations that are happening in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, an, it's not a list of topics of here's how you can post about yourself, it's how you can post <laughs> content that people are actually talking about. Um, and I'll give that to all of your listeners. Thank for free. you so much. We'll actually include that in our leader guide, Dave. That we have Perfect. with like a, it's like our show notes on steroids for each episode. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'm glad I can do that. Lauren, I know you wanted before we let Dave go. Yeah. You take a moment to touch on online groups. Yeah, I I do want to talk about this because at Liquid, we're actually still seeing success with our online groups. You know, I hope our listeners are as well. There are some that are completely online. There are some that are still hybrid today. We have support groups that meet online. We find those are more successful that somehow people, if they're really struggling with something, um, addiction, porn, anxiety, et cetera, they want to be online. But what approach do you think is actually most effective when we're talking about online groups? Um, Yeah, that's a great call. I would... uh, 
in my mind, I think the ones that work best are the ones that are topic based. Okay. Um, and I think what a lot of people think when it comes to online groups, you know, I, I know in Australia, at least there are a lot of churches that call small groups, life groups, and, and people when they join one think they're in it for life. Yeah. <laughs> and the idea of being on a Zoom call for life, I mean, people just don't oh, want that. It. But if you can, if you can, <laughs> forget about it. I, <laughs> I love being back <laughs> in Jersey. about it. I love being in Jersey. Um, but if you can create, uh, you know, I think a great introduction to online groups is to create them topic-based. Hey, we're going to do a, and, and put a time constraint on it. Okay. We're do an eight-week parenting course. We're going to do a six-week mm-hmm. course for organizational leadership. We're going to do a, you yeah. know, whatever it might be, parenting teens, uh, pa- parenting adults, um, <laughs> <you're> parenting infants. <laughs> like you could do, there's so many yeah. topics we could do and, and churches will do like business breakfasts and things like that. Start to do them online first to get people into that culture. You have to build a culture of this. So, so you start doing topic-based, time-constrained small groups, and then from there you can start to lead people into either physical groups, hybrid groups, or another online group. Like, but we have to coach them what it means. So is that an, an entry point then? You're essentially yeah. talking about groups that almost are touching on a felt need that I have, right? Yes. Like there was one that I did that was with a different church, and it was how to be a more confident mom. See, that's perfect. That's the perfect sort of group. You're, you're, yes, to answer your question, it is a... Uh, entry point group. But again, I'm unapologetic about trying to reach unchurched people. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm always trying to think, what is the entry point here? And the entry point might be that short-term, how to be a more confident mom, um, six-week group, but that can lead people into physical community. And this is the this is the thing. I, again, I, I always want to try to say this whenever I speak about this stuff. I, as an online pastor, I do not believe that on-site, uh, that online should replace on-site. Never want that. Right. I think online leads to on-site community. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the starting point of on- right. on-site community. And notice, I want I want everybody to notice something. Nobody's asked me about this yet. Not even uh, the, all the time I've been around. I specifically say online and on-site. I don't talk about physical and digital. I did notice that. I don't mm. talk about in-person or online right. because if I'm online watching, I'm still physically present. I'm yeah. still a physical person. I am still in person as well. I think we set up this false dichotomy mm. when we start to talk about that. We say, well, it's digital. It's digital church. No, no, no. That's not what it is. Right. It's online. Right. And then there's on site. So I, I always try to reference it yes. that way because I don't think that that puts my bias into yes. it at, at all. So constantly trying to say that, hoping that it will take off. I like that because language really indicates where we're going, our reality. Yeah. It really reflects a lot about how we yeah. think and we yeah. feel. So yeah. I like that you're very intentional with the words yeah. you choose. Language is so important, right? Because we set yeah. that up. It's even in the way that, think about yeah. Tim, when you're preaching, it, you know, hey, I want to welcome you all here today. And then we make a reference to, and for those online as well, right? like even just saying here, that- right. It draws attention to hundred percent. Whenever I preach, I always say, hey, I just want to uh, say thank you to everybody who's watching online for being part of our church today. If you're listening uh, on podcast, if you're watching this on YouTube two years from now, or mm. if you're joining us in the room, and then I go on right. and start doing a thing. Because wow, I'm, I'm super intentional of the, of the way pe- yeah. people will watch this message two years from now. And I yeah. want to make sure that two yeah. years from now they go, how did he know? That I would be doing this. Or yes, I'm in the car commuting and I am listening to it there. So I'm trying to include as many different people as possible and how take into account how they actually access our content. Yeah. It's so good. You know, it's interesting. I said to Frank Blake, I said, okay, Frank, you're you're in the marketplace. Pretend you're a pastor. Pastor Frank, talk to us, talk to me. Be totally uncensored. 
you look at most church websites, what do you think? What do you, and he goes, I can't understand your strategy for content. He goes, because the typical, he goes, your churches have so much to offer. You have these incredible support groups. You have incredible kids curriculum. You have this back catalog of content. But if I go to the average church, they have no sense of what the customer need is. He goes, now I use that. I say customer because he's in the marketplace. He goes, you're of a congregation. He goes, so let's assume somebody just went uh, through a horrific loss. They, they, they lost somebody to COVID or they had a miscarriage. Mm. They're dealing with grief. They come to your church. But you know what you're talking about? You're talking about VBS is starting next week. Yeah. There's a men's pancake breakfast. Yeah. And our new series is on relationships. And there's a giant donate button. Yeah. Oh, and give us money, right? Yeah. He's like, like when you talk about like a miss, absolute misread of the, in his world, customer, but yeah. your congregant, he goes, wouldn't it be better if your church website was more literally like a Google page? Mm-hmm. And it's what can we help you with? Yeah. Right. It's telling people about us. This is what we, this is all about us, yes. why we're so great. We're talking yeah. about what we think is important yeah. that week. Yeah. But actually, if they were to say, I just lost my dad, and then all of a sudden, now you're getting, well, we have a grief recovery group yeah. on, on, you know, uh, on, on Friday nights. Yeah. Um, here's a three-part series called Good Grief yeah. that I did six years ago. Yeah. So it's buried. They will never find that, right? <laughs> yeah. But all of a sudden, you're giving all of these resources at that moment of need. Yeah. So it's got us rethinking as we are restructuring we are, yeah. our digital strategy. Because yeah. right now, our website, it does do that. Hey, yeah. we're so awesome. Look at this great worship yeah. picture. Look yeah. at all the stuff that we have happening. Here's this is next. all about us. Here's what's next important to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we, we actually went through this process at North Point um, just before I left um, to go back to Australia. And we, we totally wrestled with this for months and months and months about how the structure of the website was going to be and the language we used, mm-hmm. especially on that opening page above the fold where people, this is the first thing people see. And where we landed as a church was not about talking about us and how great the programs we are have. It literally says at the top, life's complicated. We want to help. That's Home Depot. You can do it. We, we can, can help. help. Exactly, right? This Look, you even, Lauren I know, we it. said yeah. it in, in <laughs> pinch but, poke, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what we did because that was accessible to everybody who comes in. And then the only two buttons on there were plan a visit or find out more. And mm-hmm. so we, we left the choices really. This is, again, the other thing that you'll find on church websites is menus of options about pages, the the message pages, the whatever pages. You know, interesting, I spoke to somebody just last week in Australia who builds a lot of church websites, and he told me he has all this data that backs up the idea that the number one, like far and away, like ninety by 90%, it's the number one page that people visit on a church website. Can you guess what it is? Is it the giving page, Dave? It's not the giving page. And you <laughs> well, know I what? really am like trying to get it. I'm like, what could it possibly number it's actually, one page? It's not the. It, I'm going to give away. It's not the message page either. Is it the? Wow. Is it the search? It is the about page. People want to when they land on a website, they want to find out about the church. They want to find out about what you believe, and they want to find out who the staff are. Because they want to go, I'm struggling with my marriage. Does this church have a marriage pastor? I'm struggling with my kids. What do they have for family ministry? Like They're thinking that. They won't put it into those terms. But he said it is literally – and he does 2,000-plus websites for churches around the U.S., big churches. And he said the number one page is the about page. And yeah. that data is available for people. Like yes, you know you can see is. on your own website what are the most visited web pages, and just in case nobody 
knows that that data exists. The least exists. viewed is the archived message page. That's the oh, least that's viewed so page. Dis- it's deflating. Yet every <laughs> every church wants every church pastor says, "No, you got to yes. have a, a, a message past messages mm-hmm. page." Sermon library number one. You want to know why it is though? Because people are going to YouTube to find this content. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. yet churches are still when they do put those pages up, they embed Vimeo. Oh, I know. Yeah, we did so that for So we many did years. that before we relaunched our site, and now all of our videos, they're on YouTube. That's where we link to from our website. That is a huge game changer just for everybody. You're driving more traffic to YouTube. The more traffic you have, the higher uh, YouTube's going to yeah. rate your video, which begets yeah. more views. So it's just kind of this cycle. Yeah. So And it drives the SEO of everything else you put on your website. Yeah. But the, the, the funny thing for me is people... Churches need to realize that people in your local community aren't standing in line at Shop and Stop or Rightway or Publix or Kroger going, hey, I wonder what's happening at liquidchurch.com right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> Said no Again, one ever. That's they're deflating. Yeah, it is yeah. deflating. They're not but it's sitting, reality. They're not it's waking reality. up uh, or they're not getting into the yeah. traffic line at their school to pick <laughs> up so their true. kids going, I wonder what Northpoint.com's got going on. Right. But they are scrolling through Facebook. They are scrolling through YouTube. That's so and that's true. why we need to be in those places. Yeah. Literally, all I'm trying to do is call out the things that none of us want to call out because we don't want to admit that yes. people aren't watching our stuff, but they, they aren't. And we need to entice them to do that. And there's so many different ways we could do it. Dave, thanks for being a truth teller. It hurts, but it's a good hurt. Right, Lauren? Yeah. It's, it's hard to hear some of these things, but yeah. the truth is we're putting so much energy into producing this content. Yeah. We want people to see it. So let's make a change so we can get it in front of more people yeah. Yeah. and, you know, introduce them to the gospel. Mm. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Hey, before, Dave, before you go, I got to get one more question in, okay? I got to know, just from the hip, what are your thoughts about VR church? Virtual reality, yeah. the metaverse are getting a lot of attention right now. Is this something church leaders should be focusing on and planning for? You're asking the guy who just told a lot of church leaders to stop streaming their services. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go get an Oculus set. I, I think it's something that we need to be aware of. We need to know what's going on about okay. it. Um, I don't think it's for every church to to start okay. something in that space. Mm-hmm. There are enough larger churches who's God's, who God has given a platform and a mandate to, to, to be pioneering, on that. pioneering, yeah, the life to, churches, crossroads. Exactly, yeah, and, and okay. I think they're doing a fantastic job. For the average uh, ch- local church pastor, I would say be aware of what that is mm-hmm. and maybe even get an Oculus and start playing around with it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. fun just for your kids, but the reality is I don't think it will take off until we get to a point where we don't have to put a toaster on our face in order to <laughs> enter virtual reality, because that's what it feels so like. True. When it's a pair that's of sun, so when it's a pair of sunglasses, then Mass start adoption. to figure out how you can do it. Okay. But leverage it in ways that aren't you build necessarily building a church cathedral in the in the metaverse. Right. The thing that I watch when I'm in in VR when I've got my Oculus on is I watch YouTube 360. Like it's videos that t- walk you around famous places. Or you oh, can go to the Holy yeah. Land. You can go to Trafalgar Square, whatever. Yeah. Do that. Like plan. How are you going to do that in your church to show right. people what it's like? Because you, you, again, reaching unchurched people, man, most unchurched people don't want to walk into a building. What's the thing they say? Oh, if I step into that place, it'll fall down. <laughs> Help people show them what it's like. And if people are going to come at Easter and Christmas, which we know they are, I would say Start planning how you're going to do a 360 video of taking people from the streets to the seats. Here's what it feels like to walk wow, into Liquid Church. Yeah. Here's the street you drive down when you get out and just, just walk in and right. go, this is what right. it feels like. Have volunteers yeah. wave at you. and are going to get a cup of coffee over here. Show them what happens that. on a this Sunday. Do it on a Sunday off. especially. Oh. Do it on a Sunday Why? especially. Okay, I see. Because people need to see 
who the other people who are coming and they need to be able to identify themselves. Oh, there's a mum and she's got two kids and I've got two (laughs) kids as well. So I fit in there. There's somebody who's the same uh, ethnicity that I am. Some people who are the same age as me when they see themselves and your church website should be doing this already as well. Okay. Um, People need to see themselves on the website. They need to see themselves on stage as well. So start doing those sorts of things. But I would say plan that right now because that might be the first step, your first dipping your toe in the water of virtual reality world. Love it. Excellent. As part of our podcast each month, we want to spotlight some churches who are making waves and doing great work. It's not just about giving them a shout out, but pointing you in the right direction. Mm. So I'd love your take on this today, Dave, because, you know, there's a lot of churches, and I think most people know the Life Churches, the North Points, and and that's yeah. one of the things. It's like people think, like, well, that's out of our reach. Those are the churches in the stratosphere. But share with us a church or two that's taking some significant ground on their digital ministry. Tell us what they're doing, what we can learn from them. Um, there's quite a few churches that, that come, or quite a few organizations that come to mind when I think yeah. of this, um, if I can put it that way. Uh, one of the churches that I stumbled upon just recently um, – who I think are doing a great job from a social media point of view yeah. is a church called Numa Church in Melbourne, Australia. Um, their their social media, their Instagram. I do a lot. Part of what I do now in my, in my everyday thing is I do a lot of audits of church social medias. Okay. Um, so I go in. A, a church will bring me in to, to partner with them, and and the first step is to audit everything and and present the truth and go, it might <laughs> be ugly, it might not be good. But whenever I jump onto somebody's uh, social media feed, the first thing I start to look at is my I mentally start to audit it. And this church, Numa Church in Melbourne, Australia, has such a great look and feel to what they're doing. The thing that I, uh, on Instagram, the thing I would add to their game is to post more local content about Melbourne. That's the only thing I would add because oh, okay. it's still that very, you know, all about us sort of stuff, but their their social media is outstanding. Their response time is really, really good. Mm. It's off the charts good. When it comes to other organizations, um, I'm doing some work at the moment with an organization. It's a ministry called Alpha. Um, I'm assuming oh, you're- Gumbel. Yeah, yeah, Nikki sure. Gumbel Alpha. So especially with Alpha Australia. And they were the first people I ever pitched the idea of doing uh, the top, answering the top 100 uh, faith questions mm. in Australia. So we did, my team and I did a whole bunch of research about what, People were asking online about Jesus, the Bible, church, God, faith, mm-hmm. all of those mm-hmm. things. And uh, we pulled this list together and Alpha said, hey, can you help us create that video? So we're creating this video series at the moment that is the 100 most frequently asked questions about faith in Australia. Wow. And we've got all these people coming in to do videos that are three minutes or less. No so we're kidding. answering these. There's some of the big questions, like some of the big questions about what does the Bible say about gay marriage, yeah, right yeah. down to literally... Could Jesus make a burrito so hot that Jesus couldn't eat it? <laughs> Yo, we did that video. It's the second most viewed video on their channel right now. So we did that video. I was going to say, if I saw that, Amazing. I'm clicking on that. I'm and watching that. Every, even in midway through, do people with tattoos get into heaven? Like That's what people ask. So we, yeah, we're a, answering one, the yeah. questions. All we're doing is answering. Again, that's the wow. third most watched video is, is the, the one about tattoos. Incredible. People wanted to know, uh, they, they asked a lot of questions in Australia about how tall was Jesus and what did Jesus look like sort of questions. Really interesting. Yeah, okay. and so I did a video for Alpha on that one, which is the most viewed at the moment. What does Jesus look like? That's literally the only – and wow. if people are asking these questions, we just want to provide the answers. So I know Alpha is not a church. They help a lot of churches. Great ministry. But that's, a, that's ministry. a ministry that took a risk. 
Yep. When I pitched this yep. to them, I literally got off the phone and said to my wife, Meg, I said, eh, they're not going to go for that. But the people who run Alpha Australia, they went, we want to take this risk because reaching unchurched people is yes. so important to us. And we're an organization that literally has a question mark as our logo. Right, right. The question mark. So we want to yes. answer this question and we end every video by saying, hey, if you've got any questions, we want you to go to alpha.com.au forward slash try. And that's where people can literally go in, type in their postcode, their zip code, yeah. and find a church that's doing alpha right near them. So then it becomes this geotag place. It's taken them there from you YouTube to an to a physical community and then from that, hopefully, into a church. So that's that 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 is the meta church strategy in practice yeah. being done by this huge global organization, yeah. this ministry. And I absolutely love being able to do that with them. That's the trail of digital breadcrumbs. Hundred percent. Right? That's the Frank Blake saying, What are the needs of your customer? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna answer those, yeah. earn their trust, and pass them on to the next thing, which hopefully least to in-person encounter. So imagine if somebody was at Liquid and as part of their baptism testimonial video, they said, well, I, I never really went to church, but I always wanted to know what Jesus looked like. And so I watched this video on YouTube where somebody answered that question. <laughs> and at the end of it, there was a call to action that said, go to this group. So I went to that group and then I became a Christian. I started following Jesus. I went to Alpha over online, never actually even went to the church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you know that Alpha online, uh, yeah. Nikki Gumbel was against. I, I remember hearing him say that. And yeah. when they went yeah. online, I know for he a fact in Australia, worked. it it like 300% increase in attendance yes. as soon as they went online. And then I started coming to a physical church, and now I'm getting baptized today. I mean, that— the, All I, because they wanted to know what Jesus looked this like. This is the future. I honestly believe we'll see this is going like to be that. more prevalent. This is this is for today in the church world yes. what it was when I started as a pastor at Liquid and started doing um, you know, weddings. And I would always get together with the oh, couple yeah, beforehand yeah. and say, hey, how did you guys meet? Oh, we met at school. Oh, we met at a right. diner. Oh, we met online. And I remember stopping going, oh, my gosh— what, right, you met online. Right, twelve years ago was an anomaly. Can yes. you believe that? Now, you, you tell what what happens now. It's just the norm. Ninety percent of the just weddings. The norm. Yeah, no, we met online. We met on this app. Yeah. That's going to happen now in church. Where I, wow. I I wanted to know what Jesus looked like. That led me to watch a video. I watched another video. Wow. I joined an alpha group or whatever that group might be, yeah. and then I started attending church. That's going to be the future. That's how people are going to find Jesus, and we have to be planting that seed wow. right now. It, wow. This is urgent. It's so urgent. We have to be doing this now. Almost like a guy in Australia listening to a podcast, making an email that turns into a phone call, comes over to the States, and now God uses him as a global thought leader yeah. for the meta Crazy. church. Dave, you are such a gift, brother. <laughs> I love our friendship. Thanks, it's man. so good to be together. And uh, just can we thank everybody? I mean, this guy's oh, amazing, right? It's incredible. I Aussie's mean, amazing. And again, just another plug for the book. It is literally, I have 20 tabs on it, yeah. and I'm going to read it and reread it and reread it, guys. It is. It's so good. Thank Dave, you. go ahead and tell folks where to follow your work and how to get in touch with you. Um, well, because it's a podcast, I can't give people my QR code, which I'm usually <laughs> all about. Look, yeah, seriously, you, you know this, Tim. Lauren, you know this as well. I've got a heart to help. The Capital yes, C Church. You're very generous. Um, in your time. I feel like God blessed me. You know, I, I had that sports reporter days yeah. where I was, you know, leading teams, communication, doing production, also being on camera. I didn't know when I was doing that that God was preparing me to become an online pastor. Yeah. But I look back and I go, oh, God. How good is God that I'm playing tic-tac-toe, he's off playing 3D chess over here. Right. Moving yes. the pieces around mm -hmm. so this would happen for me. So I feel blessed that I've had the opportunities that I've had. 
just as a kid who grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne, that's insane. So mm-hmm. I just want to bless as many people as I can. So I'm ready to answer any questions that anybody has. So I'm going to do some. I'm going to take a risk. Okay. First of all, you can contact me, at Aussie Dave, on all social media platforms, A U S S I E. But also, like, if I can help your church, hit me up. Send me an email at Dave at MetaChurchStrategy.com. Dave at MetaChurchStrategy.com. Okay. That's not going to anybody else. It's coming to me, and I will try to answer any questions that I get. I have to be honest. Dave That's was, an incredible offer. Dave spoke at our Church Changer conference, and at the end of his talk, he's given this keynote, and there's you know these hundreds of pastors in the room, and then he literally is like, "If you have questions, he goes, hit me up. Um, you know, text me on my phone. I'm going to give you my phone number." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and he literally puts the QR code up on the screen. I'm like. Oh, this this is a trick. <laughs> no, half the room's like, is that the mark of the beast? He puts yeah. it in my head, click on this thing. But he put it up, and it's actually all of your personal information, yeah. which is just absolutely incredible, the accessibility that you do give people, yeah. man. I, that's that's me trying to bring high touch to high tech. You do, you do that better than anyone I know. Great. We're I'm so glad. thankful for you, Dave. Okay, everybody, now it is time for our segment, Something Fun or Something Free, because on each episode of Church Changer, we actually want to end on a high note, of course, right? So throughout this episode, we've just been gushing over Dave's book, Meta Church. so we want to give away a few copies. All you have to do is go to our website, churchchanger.com slash podcast, and download the leader guide for this episode. When you do, you'll submit your email address and automatically be entered to win a copy of Dave's book. Plus, let me say, the leader guide is an awesome resource. It has a summary of today's episode. I know we've covered a pretty wide range of topics here. Uh, Some of you may be like, oh man, this is a little bit overwhelming. We're going to include that in the leader's guide, bonus resources, plus some discussion questions. For you and your team, do not try to figure this out alone. <laughs> you need to bring your whole team in the conversation. Totally worth the download. So to see everything we're doing, follow us on Instagram, or I guess we got to get on TikTok, Lauren. <laughs> we're not there yet, we're but for <laughs> right now, our handle is at Church Changers on Instagram. <laughs> Plus, we'd love it if you follow Church Changer on Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you're listening. All right, guys, if you enjoyed the show, go ahead, leave us a rating or review. Help us get the word out, would you? We would be so appreciative. Thanks again for joining us. We are rooting for you. We cannot wait to chat more next time. And remember, change is inevitable, but irrelevance is not. <laughs>